0: Sunshine, 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 sunshine.
1: Whoa. Good morning. It's time for full disclosure. We do it every Wednesday morning here on Springfield's Morning News on 927 WMAY. David Grysing is the president and CEO of the BGA and joins us as always. David, welcome back.
0: Hey, Jim. Good to be
1: with you. I want to start with just a, a brief follow-up. Of course, we talked extensively last week about the BGA's deep dive into Governor J.B. Pritzker's uh, holdings through his so-called blind trust uh, that revealed that the governor continues to uh, have uh, financial interests uh, through this trust in a number of companies that have state contracts. Uh, as uh, we have uh, now gotten a-, a week away from the uh, initial reporting on this, any more reaction from the governor's team, are they taking any steps to uh, to rectify this conflict of interest? And I guess the bigger picture is, is, is there anything that's being looked at right now to prevent these sorts of situations in the future?
0: Well, so far, we haven't heard of any move in the legislature. Of course, this is a, a downtime for the state legislature. Um, I wrote a column last week in which um, I pointed out that the state of Alaska has a very in-depth program uh, in its law that uh, has strict requirements for blind trust by public officials, specifically a prohibition against them investing in s- securities of companies that do business in the state. That's something that Governor Pritzker implied that he would do, uh, and he would instruct. it was implied that he would instruct his blind trust uh, to take such precautions and has not done so. So there are templates out there, uh, but so far, to answer your first question, the governor's office so far has just dug in on this. They've alleged that our reporter doesn't really understand how blind trusts work, etc. Um, none of that stands up to any scrutiny. This was a very carefully reported story, and the conflicts of interest that have been pointed out and the really failings of to live up to the governor's initial promises are quite evident.
1: It should be noted, your, your reporter is a Pulitzer Prize winner, probably a guy with a pretty good handle on some complex issues. Uh, so we'll continue to, uh, to watch this. Of course, the BGA has been uh, looking at this issue for quite some time. We'll continue to monitor it and look again for ways to, uh, to try to close some of these loopholes and make this more difficult in the future. Uh, in the meantime, uh, sticking with uh, the governor and uh, some of the things that are happening in state government, we have seen in the last few days yet another example of some serious problems in just the, the day-to-day operations at crucial state agencies. We've talked a lot in the past about the issues at DCFS. We talked about uh, the Department of Human Services in the context of uh, mental health care for county jail inmates, a chronic and ongoing problem here in Sangamon and other counties. DHS also once again uh, under the the harsh glare of the spotlight after a story this week revealing some really serious problems uh, and problems that predate uh, J.B. Pritzker's time in office, but problems that don't seem to be getting a whole lot better at a Southern Illinois mental health facility.
0: Yes, these problems, very sadly, have been going on for years, really decades. Uh, And the disappointing part is that the governor's administration hasn't been able to get their handle on these problems either. Uh, This is a really good report, um, really deep dived by uh, Lee Enterprises, Capital News Illinois, and ProPublica that looked into the Choate Mental Health Development Center in Southern Illinois. This is a facility that cares for people with development dis- disabilities. These are some of the most vulnerable people in the state. Um, there's a big question as to whether facilities like this should continue to exist. Uh, many states have moved away from these larger-scale developmental uh, or care centers uh, because it, it is per se discriminatory, according to a Supreme Court ruling, to house people this way. Illinois has stuck with it, and unfortunately, the Choate example shows that care for people in this facility has fallen very short. There's been a move to install cameras as a safety measure, but that's complicated. Because of uh, privacy concerns, and there's a sad history of people with felony backgrounds working in the care of these very vulnerable and defenseless people, and it's a serious concern. The governor's expressed concern about it, but so far, his administration has not effectively uh, changed any anything so far as we can tell.
1: No doubt that it's difficult work to be a caregiver in an environment like this, but just the uh, the sheer number of cases and the brutality out. In some of these cases that resulted in criminal charges against employees at the Choate Center, uh, it is just inexcusable. And and again, the the idea that we can't after all this time get any kind of a handle on it's green. People better have better supervision, more oversight and monitoring to make sure that this sort of abuse doesn't continue. uh, It is it is disheartening. And it's it's uh, frankly infuriating, uh, David, you know, to to see this happening uh, to the most vulnerable people in the the states care and you just wonder uh, how long it'll take and what it will take to really get a handle on it
0: yes uh and and we don't know for certain but one wouldn't be surprised if there were more broad-based problems with regard to oversight uh when you see as an indiv- individual case like this one uh we as reporters i begin always begin to wonder what else is out there and uh Lately, the administration is saying some of the right things, which is, uh, I guess, some measure of improvement, but there's a lot of work to, done, to be done to uh, protect these very vulnerable people. Uh,
1: before we take a break, I want to touch uh, real quickly on a story that went up on the BGA website uh, a couple of weeks back. We didn't get a chance to talk about it last week, and it has to do with the uh, city of Chicago and claims they're making about anti-violence efforts. Obviously, violence, crime in the streets of Chicago and throughout the state, a big issue in the- this election year Uh, Chicago has been uh, trying to talk up uh, progress that it says it's making in this regard but you've taken a closer look at this David what's it showing you
0: Well, we're finding that some of the city's claims about in its $400 million violence reduction strategy are overstated. And in fact, uh, the person leading the effort, a woman by the name of Tamara Mahal, also possibly may have overstated some of her personal background and her capabilities. Uh, As a couple of examples. basically some of these so-called safety prevention measures really amount to um, kind of uh, a walking path with um, sort of an oral history of violence, uh, uh, um, trees planted in certain areas, et cetera. And people in the community are saying to us, we need protection on the streets. Today, we don't need these sort of sideshows. We need uh, active measures to confront the violence that is besetting our community. Um, And so there's quite a bit of concern that while some of these measures may be nice over the long long haul as uh, kind of incidental measures that would improve matters uh, in the face of the wave of violence that has hit the city of Chicago and other cities across the country, uh, these measures are proving to be rather inadequate.
1: It's an important article at the Better Government Association website, a reminder again uh, that when government tells us these things, it's important to, to double-check, to verify, and to have watchdogs like the BGA who can uh, look more closely at this, just to make sure that what we're being told is in fact reflective of reality. We've got some more issues to get to this morning. Take a quick break, and we'll continue with full disclosure with David Grising, president and CEO of the Better Government Association. Welcome back to Full Disclosure with the Better Government Association. David Greising, president and CEO. We continue on now. David, with, uh, boy, it's, uh, it's exciting to contemplate a big, beautiful, domed stadium for the Chicago Bears. It could mean uh, a Super Bowl or a college football playoff uh, series uh, being played in Chicago. But the Bears say it could also mean a request for at least some measure of public funding to uh, help develop at least part of the complex. They're planning here, so give us uh, the rundown. And is public financing of any sort a of good idea for these sorts of projects?
0: <laughs> well, uh, depends on who you listen to. There, uh, this is a political issue as much as an economic one when it comes to public subsidies for stadium-related developments. The Bears have been very clear, uh, trying to thread the needle on this, that they won't ask for public subsidies for the stadium itself, which is just kind of beside the point, this is a monstrous development that they're proposing on this 326-acre site in Arlington Heights, where the Arlington Park race course currently sits, the horse racing track that's no longer useful to anybody because of the decline, the demise of of horse racing in Illinois. Um, uh, So the Bears uh, are expounding just what they think the economic benefit of the development would be, billions and billions of dollars, they claim, and 10,000 people having permanent jobs, et cetera, et cetera. But some of the private sources that uh, some of the reporters have talked to have said they're going to be looking for about $2 billion worth of subsidies over time for this project. And therein uh, come some significant problems. While people in Arlington Heights have indicated a willingness to allow the Bears to build this stadium there, at the same time they're saying they don't want to put any uh, of their money into this. It should be a private development that doesn't need public money. It's likely that the would pony up for some of this, roads and parking lot construction, etc. Um, we'll see. There will be a big event uh, tomorrow night with the um, uh, in, in a high school in Arlington Heights where the Bears will lay out their plan and get some public feedback.
1: We'll watch that one very carefully. Uh, certainly, the state does uh, show a willingness to put incentives out there where they think it will create some benefit. There was a big announcement yesterday in Decatur along those lines as Illinois tries to get further involved in the uh, the booming trend of electric vehicles.
0: Yes, uh, this uh, Reimagining EV Act uh, is uh, one of Governor Pritzker's uh, signature efforts that came after the big rewrite of the uh, energy policy in the state and the first grantee on this program, two point million million, to a company called T-slash-CCI Manufacturing of Decatur. This is a company that currently produces compressors for um, combustion engines, and they want to convert one of their lines to produce— compressors for electronic vehicles the company is going to make a 20 million dollar investment and they'll get this 2.2 $2 million dollar uh worth of money from the state to help uh help uh, with that conversion
1: and in the meantime it's still going to be a long time before i can afford an electric vehicle but uh <laughs> glad it's going to benefit somebody david we're out of time tell people quickly how to reach you in the bga the rest of the week
0: i'm at deep with bettergov.org and our website is bettergov.org